we've been basically cycling through X Files, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Nice. Fucking X Files is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I mean, for cheesy stuff, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you could do worse. Everybody loves that that whole thing that came out about that mutant episode. How it was like super uncomfortable for everybody, and they wish they never made it. Was it the toilet mutant? Is that the one where it was like inbred mom under the bed that they like cut off her arms and legs and shit? I remember that one. I already remember it, but that's not the one I was thinking. But yeah, well, that like one's... apparently the actress was even like halfway through it or actor. I don't remember. It was just like I was very, very uncomfortable the whole time, like with the concept and everything. Oh, bad. <laughs> they actually had to finish yeah. that episode. They just pulled a sound guy and just put him in makeup. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so rough. <laughs> He's like, I'm in SAG now. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Weird. I, I, uh, I've had Louie Louie stuck in my head for about um, two days now because I decided to go to a 24-hour Louie Louie marathon with my friends, a bunch, starting at like 7 at night, and then we went back at like 2 in the morning, and sure enough, they were still playing Louie Louie. So how does that work? Is it everybody, like different performers are just playing like, the same song in different like over like i guess a hundred bands signed up to come in at every hour of the day and sing a version of louie louie there was like one what in the fucking portland is that uh-huh. <laughs> i know because like Corey originally didn't want to go and then I, there was a live stream and i was like all right well let's watch the live stream so if I think of the right song where it's like, Louie, Louie. Oh, yeah. Oh, Louie, Louie. Louie, Louie. Oh, yeah. Louie, Louie. Okay, so I imagine you have like all, the, it's like covering all the genres, like. Reggae, ska, yeah. fucking rockabilly. New wave. Rap. New wave. Intense. Wow. Garage rock. Louie, <laughs> Like solo Fiona Apple sitting in a chair. Jewel. <laughs> Louie, Louie, Louie. It was. I just, I'll never want to hear that song again. I'll bet. (laughs) That's crazy. I might just go insane if I hear it again. It was Kill everyone. And then next time you're going to go up for karaoke, you're like, I have to pick Louie, Louie, I guess. I can't think or sing anything else anymore oh you're here on on suicide karaoke night uh, it's a russian roulette <laughs> karaoke night and what do you got oh louie louie perfect uh. <laughs> uh, yeah speaking of killing people welcome uh-uh. to under the pendulum my hey. name's chris <laughs> here with heather hello and caitlin howdy oh we're doing creepy dudes round two Halloween My edition. favorite, you know, oh, right. they start in your teens, they go into your 20s. So I'd say this is, you know, round two. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no shortage of them. None. It's just like, None are they yet. interesting enough to cover? And I think both of them today are. Yeah. They, they, put, they put it up there. Mm-hmm. Actually, Sorry, and I, one and I, sec, guys. That's all right. No worries. Continuing. <laughs> <laughs> So you might hear a bit of an audio difference between just a second ago and Heather's audio now, and it's really creepy dudes. I know. Came in, <laughs> stole her shit. Creepy dudes. Get it. They shit. dress up like goblins, and they think they're being real sneaky. You're not I that know. small. All right. I know. Messing with the wires. Every Ugh. time. Don't you hate it when that happens? 
So get those pants, those those high pants on, comb that comb over over and get those arms ready to carry some chairs because we're going to church. <laughs> Actually, that's funny you bring up church because like that's going to be one in, in mine. Yes. yes. Yep. You're, you're good. You're good at this. <laughs> Creepy dude bingo. Really good at it. <laughs> And, and actually, I, I do have to apologize that we did not get an episode out last month. I was super fucking sick with COVID. Oh, and yes, I, he was. And I'm also like, so I'm good now. Like, feeling Oh, by better. the way, you sound better. You sounded like shit. I don't sound 100%. Yeah, I, I do sound a lot better, which is also that was like ongoing for a couple of weeks, like a week or two after. But I am continuously clearing my throat. So it sounds like I am constantly trying to get somebody's attention. I hate that. Oh my god! Yes. I you know, like I'll be just sitting there around people. and be like, <clears throat> I do that too, and I don't mean that. Yeah, and people or, just like they'll look over at me, and I'm like, no, 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 it's no, not. no, I'm clearing my throat. Yeah, COVID throat. Yep. Yeah. And then that itch. doesn't make it better when you no. say COVID throat. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, dude. Whole pandemic without getting it, and then. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. You know? Good for you. Good for you. Good yeah, you, you know it's you know it's coming. You know you're gonna get it eventually. Yeah. Well, working in a school can't be avoided. Oh no! Now I tell those kids like, do not stand close to me. You back up, sir. Because like <laughs> I'll, I like I get kids who come up to me and they're like, like Mr. Weber, uh, I feel sick, and they're like right at my desk, and I'm like, step back, get get away from me. <laughs> I will call the nurse. <laughs> Which I'm sure doesn't make them you. feel nice. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm like I. I'm sure you're sick, dude. I don't even care if you're faking it. Just get the fuck away from my desk. Don't fucking breathe on me. Yes, yeah. I do not want to do that again. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> I might have to clear my throat a lot. So apologies in advance. So anyway, there's not really an intro for this one. It's just two stories of really creepy dudes on Halloween. Yep. And they're horrible crimes. Uh, yeah. This is about, I would say this is about as close as we get to true crime most of the time. You know, I, I think we've yeah. said in the past, there's just so many true crime podcasts that, and, and so many do it so well that it, it just kind of seems redundant and like we would just yeah. be tr- trying to uh-huh. get clickbait. But, um, you know, we have to dip our toes in because that's just part of this creepy, creepy world we live. You know, right. and it's like painting a picture, writing a song. Nobody does it just like you do, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all I have our little right. flourishes and flares. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, yeah, so I, I was looking at your your uh, script, Heather, and actually ours kind of ended up being similar in length. Oh, I think yours wonderful. is about six pages and mine's about seven. So yeah, kind of whoever wants to go first. You want me to go first or... Um, yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny that we just, we'd never have this part planned out. Nope. <laughs> I, I kind of like it, though. I kind of like it's like, oh, toss the dice. Who's going to read first? Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Keep you on your toes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can go first. Because I feel like mine's, it's on Halloween. Mm-hmm. But I think yours might be a little more Halloween-y. Oh, yeah. If for that's sure. a word. Halloweener. It's about as Halloween as you can a, get. I think yours is a big old Halloweener. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The ultimate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mine, as you'll find out, cannot maintain a Halloween erection. Oh. I can't maintain a Halloweener. <laughs> it cannot. 
Uh, At least his scripts was bigger than Heather's. You know, that's the only thing he's got. Right, yeah. I bet you he was wearing those that skeleton costume where you have the pump and the and the skeleton dick goes up. <laughs> that's a fucking thing. I forgot about Oh, that. yeah. God yeah. damn it, there's a hole in the hose. Ugh. He's got a <laughs> flaccid bone wiener. Yeah. Oh. So on Halloween 2012, near the town oh, of shit. Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 55-year-old pastor John Douglas White was arrested for the murder of his fiance's daughter. So we'll get to the full story in a minute, but what makes this guy like really creepy is his past and oh, yeah. how his demented fantasies kind of compelled his crimes. Have you heard of this guy? No. Me neither. Where is it again? Uh, this is all going to take place in Michigan. 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 So I don't know much about White's early years, but I can tell you that before his arrest in 2012, he had been arrested and convicted for crimes that should have put him away for good. But like anyone who studies true crime, he was another frustrating and infuriating example of a man who fell through the cracks of the justice system for one reason or another. And this allowed a real-life ghoul to later masquerade as a man of faith. Was he a white guy? Oh, yeah, dude, all day. Oh, okay. Actually, I mean, that's probably one reason he got fucking away Um, with so uh much shit or just Uh like, you know, his last name is White, too. So So when John White was a young man, he served in the Navy and then worked as a long haul trucker, which isn't, you know, a good sign either. Commendable, hot, sexy, fly. Mm -hmm. Starting out good. (laughs) So at age 22 in 1980... (laughs) Why did I just think of just like sheets of Oscar Mayer baloney when you said he was a truck driver? Just like, just, just, like jiggling. I don't know. He, he's just he's just got it hanging from his uh, rearview mirror, just like little like little pendulums. Of I was just like thinking baloney. of disgusting, sweaty things, and that's what it was. <laughs> I mean, look, we love all truck drivers out there. You're all great. Of course, I'm yeah. Sorry. yeah. The stereotype yeah. is just funny. <laughs> and some of y'all like this too, so you know it. <laughs> so at age 22 in 1980, White was married and living in Battle Creek, Michigan. And it was here that he committed his first violent crime. In 1981, White invited a 17-year-old neighborhood girl named Teresa Etherton, no, Etherton to check out his stock car racetrack, which he had set up in his basement. Girl, you don't need to see it. Come on. You want Ooh. to see my uh, stock car race truck? Oh, it's man. Uh, pretty sweet. I'd want to see that too. They go pretty fast. Ah. <laughs> so Teresa unwisely agreed and went inside to take a look. I, I don't know why she would be so interested. Maybe she really loved Maybe you know, said stock there was cars. She's probably try- trying to be nice. Right. Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, all right. I'll, yeah, I'll go in. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> So White led her down to the basement, where he quickly and without warning turned on her. Taking a knife, he stabbed her from behind under her right shoulder blade. Jesus. He would stab her 16 more times, and to her recollection, he was smiling throughout the assault. He then began to strangle her. She recalled, quote, He wiped my mouth off, and he kissed me, and he held my hand, and he said, You're going to go now. I'm real sorry you had to go like this, but what the fuck? You're just a woman. What? So I'm unclear of how she got away. <laughs> I didn't see the detail in any of the reporting that I read, 
But she did survive the attack, and White was arrested a short time later. And he wasn't put away forever? Oh. Okay. <laughs> he was tried and convicted of attempted murder, and White pleaded with a judge and jury that he was mentally ill and needed help instead of prison time. Mm-hmm. So the judge sentenced White to five to ten years in prison with mental health counseling. That obviously does not seem like enough time for this. No. But White appealed the case, claiming that his attorney was paid by his father, who did not want to spend extra money on independent psychiatric evaluations and exams for his son. And all of those are needed to pursue an insanity plea. So White claimed that he had partial amnesia during the attack, and he didn't even really remember committing the crime. Hmm. So when the, was this? Uh, the, this yeah, this was 1980. I mean, uh, the oh, trial. The appeal? Yeah, so I think the trial was in like 81. So the, uh, okay. the appeal would have been like 81. So, mm. or no, sorry, the appeal would have been a couple years after. Okay, I'll get, so I'll get to that in a sec, okay. yeah. So the appellate judge wrote of the appeal, quote, Defense counsel was more concerned with the desires of the defendant's father, who retained him, than the best interests of his client, unquote. So White didn't get a new trial, but he did get a deal. He would be let out of jail after just serving two years, have two years probation, and must seek mental health treatment. So White was now a free man in 1983. Wow. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ. So Teresa had no idea that White had been released until a few years later. As Teresa recalls, quote, I was standing in line and I heard his voice. And I had been hearing that voice in my head almost every day. I turned around and he's just smiling at me. Motherfucker. Yeah. So this is a few years before the state's Victim Rights Act, which allows for victims to be involved or at least informed in every aspect of the trial. And victims can also sign up to be notified when the defendant is released. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So I guess it wasn't even. I mean, this is on the tail end of the 70s. So like investigative techniques weren't, you know, completely refined or or even like especially maybe small communities like this non-existent mm-hmm. yeah so Teresa was obviously just fucking shocked that white was out and she lamented quote they sent him away and they left me alone they promised me he wasn't going to ever hurt anyone again unquote so Teresa knew what the courts did not seem to understand at the time that white would hurt someone again yeah and we're not even to the real story here yet so in 1994 White was now working a maintenance job at a textile company near Comstock Township in Michigan. He was still married to the same woman. Okay. Now with two children and another one on the way. So it was during this time at the factory that he began an affair with 26-year-old Vicki Sue Wall, whom White had met at the factory. In July of 94, Wall disappeared. So during the investigation, a surveillance tape showed Wall getting into White's pickup truck around 3 a.m., and that's the night of the disappearance. And this would be the last time anyone would see Wall alive. So police obviously questioned White, who denied seeing her that night. After being shown the tape, he changed his story to, oh, I mean, yeah, she was in my truck that night, but I dropped her off at home safely. So, you know, whatever happened to her after that, I don't know. I just conveniently forgot about that. <laughs> Police didn't buy White's story, but without a body or any other real evidence, they couldn't charge him. So it seems the pressure um, maybe of 
of his mental health because he's fucking insane. Like that, yeah. that, that much is true. But it got to him a little bit and maybe the pressure of the police because he tried a half-hearted suicide attempt with booze and pills. And this was reminiscent of a letter that he had sent to his wife from jail after his attempted murder conviction, saying that it was probably for the best that he might be put away for good. And this really shows that he knew something was wrong with him, but he would not address it or get any help. His pattern seemed to be, oh, I'm so fucking crazy and gross and maybe I shouldn't be around people. But he never like did anything about it, you know, and he would always try to get out of any of the arrests or, you know, um, never took responsibility. Yeah, why why would he have tried so hard to get out the first time? You know, he really felt that way. Yeah. His son wrote like, talked to a paper about him and he's just like, he's always been crazy and he fucking died crazy. And like, (laughs) just not surprised he did any of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. White would later tell investigators that he had blackout spells and that he believes he became violent uh, during these spells. A detective asked him if he might have hurt Wall during one of these blackouts, to which White replied that it was a possibility. But, you know, again, that's not a real confession. That's not real evidence. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. The police... They couldn't really do anything until about six weeks after Wall's disappearance. Fucking sounds like a lot to me. Sorry. I mean, that sounds like a good amount of... Yeah. It, I, I, he has you know, priors of surveillance video, fucking right. a, a half-hearted possibility admission. I mean... I mean, they looked at his truck um, and they did find some like iron residue. Um, mm-hmm. Like using this thing, but he had cleaned it really, really well. I mean, there was just... They, yeah. they, they couldn't get any... DNA or you know yeah. it was like this could be blood could you know might not be blood right so it just like you know there's just no hard hard evidence right mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. yes she got in the pickup truck but you know there's just n- nothing physical tying yeah you know tying her to him and that was until about six weeks after her disappearance when her body was found two miles from the Meyer store parking lot where the surveillance footage of Wall getting into White's truck was found So her body was discovered by a resident who was walking down a trail near his parents' land. And he said he noticed two drag marks from the dirt road and followed them to a trail of weeds where he saw a white tennis shoe. As he went in further, he found a pair of women's underwear. Then the stench of decay hit his nose and he saw the body. And as he described it, quote, right then when the odor hit me, I noticed the skull was showing. And that's when I turned around and hightailed it out of here. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> so it was Wall's badly decomposed body. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say she was. Yeah. So she was naked, her shirt and bra around her neck. Due to yeah. the state of decomposition, the autopsy could not determine the exact cause of death. They did know that it was a homicide, and the police knew exactly who to talk to, and they arrested White for murder. Finally. The problem of convicting White, however, was the evidence was kind of flimsy. Yes, they had her on video getting into White's truck that night. And yes, they had a body. But again, it was so badly decomposed that they had no real strong evidence linking linking White to the murder. And not a definitive cause of death. Like, they really couldn't say how she died. You know, White also refused to talk to detectives or even take a lie detector test after that which ruled out the possibility of a confession. Yeah. So at this point, they had some evidence and they could at least convict him. 
but it wasn't the conviction everybody wanted. So White pleaded guilty to involuntary manslaughter. However, without that evidence, the most the judge could give him was 8 to 16 years. At sentencing, White apologized to Wall's family, saying it was a, it was a tragic accident, but he never gave any details of what that meant. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would have loved to do more digging on like the intricacies of of what happened with this trial and like sure. why those convictions happen. Obviously, condensing a lot of things into a small segment. But, yeah. I mean, I think you can really chalk it up to, you know, time and place, possibly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So while in prison, White was seen by a prison psychologist and White shared his fantasies of murder and necrophilia even saying that extended to his desire to kill the prosecutor and his defense attorney, both women, uh, just to have sex with their bodies. And it also appears that he was into pornography that enacted necrophilia. No no way. So now this brings us to our main Halloween story. Oh Oh my goodness. (laughs) Get out your candy bags, everybody. I'm about to drop some treats. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, that story's awful. Yeah, this is <laughs> fucking terrible. Yeah, he looks like a fucking creep, too. Oh, I'll bet. He looks like a, he, he looks like a creepy truck driver, like, you know, <laughs> kind of basically on the nose, you know? Yeah. So after nearly 13 years, White was released from prison in 2007. At this point, it seems his wife finally divorced him, though it was kind of unclear. Mm-hmm. And he moved to Mount Pleasant to start a new life. That's Mount Pleasant, Michigan. I bet he the shit out of her and she's never said anything about it. Uh, dude, I don't know. I mean, like, with cases like this, you don't know. I mean, because you have, you know, another friend that was like a friend of his for from uh, the younger years before he um, tried to kill um, that, the uh, Etherton. He just said, you know, we used to drive trucks together all the time. We used to hang out. And I only saw him ever get kind of violent once. Wow. knew he was kind of a sick guy and something was off about him but yeah you know no real indications that like this kind of violence might happen so i don't know it's a toss-up right i mean like you could have a guy who just is absolutely you know keeping these these feelings and this violent tendencies and fantasies like real close to the close to the chest you know yeah yeah i guess women only got to see it yep yeah, yeah, only his victims really got to see that violence. So he had gone through group therapy and violent offender treatment in prison, and officials seemed to have thought that that was, like, good. They're like, you're good to go, bud. You got your certificates? Cool. So it was also in jail where he became a man of God. Ah, uh, here we go. So he was hired on as a pastor at Christ Community Church. Um, So... Where they're in, it's not in Mount Pleasant. There's a lot of these like townships around it, but yeah. um, you know, Mount Pleasant's like one of the bigger areas. So I'll say Mount Pleasant, but a lot of this happened in these little townships like near it. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so he got hired on as a pastor at Christ Community Church, and he had a small congregation of about 14 people. Most of the people knew about his past, like knew about these crimes. But yeah. like any good Christian, they saw a man who was seeking redemption. And by all accounts, he was contrite publicly and did a lot of good in the community. So he was truly a wolf in sheep's clothing. Man, it's crazy. Like these days, these days you say anything wrong and you're like, your career's over and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, and this guy's failing upwards. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, sure, he fucking stabbed a 17 year old girl. I'm sure the last person that was. But you know what? Woman. By the grace of God, she didn't die. He's a good guy. He he's got a. Some... Oh, he's got big plans for that white. He's got big he plans for that John White. Good Rice Krispie treats. Have you had the Rice Krispie treats at the bake sale? Yeah. You tell me the man, the hands of a murderer made those? I don't think so. <laughs> Have you had those cookies? I'm just uh -huh. saying. Uh -huh. So soon after, uh, White met Sally Gay in church, and they were quickly engaged. So Sally had a young daughter named Rebecca Gay, who oh, no. also had a young son whom White would often babysit um, as they both lived in the same trailer park. Oh, no. So we don't know if there was any indication to Rebecca that White was devolving to his old ways or if he gave her any kind of creepy hints or feelings. You know, we'll just never know um, if she got, uh, uh, you know, kind of knew something was off about this guy. Yeah. But on Halloween 2012, White decided that he couldn't suppress his urges any longer. In White's confession to investigators, he recounted that he drank a few beers, four or five to his recollection, so seven or eight to ten. <laughs> mm -hmm. <Yeah. laughs> I ever heard about a four or five, I'd say. And then maybe a box of wine. Yeah. And then maybe a little vodka. Maybe you should have said a little more, you know. Maybe a cold four to five, <laughs> two zigzags. So he had about four or five beers before heading to Rebecca's mobile home around 2 a.m. on Halloween morning. Oh, no. He entered her trailer and struck her on the head several times with a rubber mallet until she was unconscious. Oh, boy. He then strangled her with a zip tie until she was dead. She was 24 years old. Wait, wait, wait. This is the girl he's dating? No, this is the girl he's his fiance's daughter. Oh. Yeah. White then undressed gay and tried to have sex with her corpse. It's unclear if he did or did not, uh, in his confession, he said that he tried but couldn't maintain an erection. Um, I did see somewhere that there was an autopsy that said there was some signs of it, but um, yeah. you know, there were it was it was kind of like a hearsay thing. So sure. I, I don't, and they officially didn't I say. I hope he didn't. I hope it didn't work, and he was really frustrated. I could kind of see it being that way, but I bet it, it, it was. It's hard to say, you know. I hope yeah. he cried a bunch and hated that his weenie doesn't work anymore. Fuck it, fuck it, dead bitch. Fuck, fuck it, dead. Ruining everything. Wish me dead. These dead women always ruining everything. I knew I shouldn't have drank before I did this. <laughs> well, I got what they call that not quite a six pack dick. <laughs> oh my. Fucking asshole. Yeah, just, yeah, it's such a big, huge piece of shit. All this was happening while her three year old son was in the other room. <sighs> So White loaded her body, the bloody towels he used to clean, and the murder weapon into his truck. Shit, that's old enough to hear and kind of know what's going on. Yeah, oh, it gets, yeah. gets creepier from there. He then threw her purse, phone, and keys into a trash can at the trailer park. Genius. So he, he then drove to an intersection. <laughs> so, he then, oh, get, dude, this guy is so smart. Listen, <laughs> listen to this one. So he drove to the intersection of Picard and Coldwater and dumped her body in a ditch about a mile away from her home. I looked on the map. It's like a drive up the road and there's that intersection. And he kind of like put in this ditch behind some trees. 
It's like he almost wanted to be fucking caught. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. You know, there's some signs that that might be the case, but I don't know. But other ones were like mm-hmm. he'll lie, you know, and he'll get away with it again, kind of thing. Possibly, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So he then disposed of the bloody towels and the mallet near that location as well. So just kind of all together. Yeah. Not, not a smart guy. Mm-mm. So White then went back to her trailer and drove her car to a nearby bar and left it there, making it appear that she had been abducted from there. And again, you know, this is all like premeditation, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's showing that he has planned some of these things out. Mm-hmm. So like any kind of like false contrition or any, it's just all bullshit, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's like he gets caught and he's like, well, I'm caught. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So White returned and took care of Gay's three-year-old son for the day. He dressed the boy up in his Halloween costume, kind of hung out with him, and then later dropped the boy off to his father. God damn. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the creepy part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, I mean, it's, that's not the only creepy part, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no, oh, the, nec- really, yeah. the necrophilia murder is fine, but this is sick. Yeah, no. <laughs> So Gay was reported missing that day when she didn't turn up for work. While police were out looking for her, White was with his congregation, having them pray for Rebecca's safe return. Police brought White in for questioning, and investigators kind of had to prod him a bit, but he surprisingly he confessed to the murder, and he yeah. showed them the location of the body. Um, one article kind of said it was because the detectives were like, you know, her body's just going to decompose out there, you know, like it's, it's just, you know, there's going to be nothing left, you know, kind of like, you know, what would your fiance think about that? I think they were kind of playing. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting but, angle. But surprisingly, he confessed, you know, rather quickly. Yeah. Well, he's real lazy, it seems like. So probably just didn't want to <laughs> sit there too long. Right. Yeah. Oh, fine. Man, my mm-hmm. ass is starting to hurt. You know, I'm just going to yeah. confess. <laughs> that's why they have the wooden chairs. <laughs> 13 hours on that fucker you'll confess to anything yeah <laughs> so white also confessed that he had been thinking about killing her for two weeks for the sole purpose of having sex with her dead body he also admitted to watching necrophilia pornography just before the murder so john d white stood trial for gay's murder he pleaded guilty to second degree murder and was sentenced to 56 years in prison which is a life sentence at that point Oh, yeah. What year is this again? 2012? This is 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, and he was. come a long way, huh? Yeah. He was 55 at sentencing. So, I mean, 56 years is, is, you're going to fucking die in here. Yeah. Yeah. A few months later, on August 28th, White was found dead in his cell. He had hung himself in the night. They tried to resuscitate him, but he was pronounced dead at 56 years old. Oh, you want to kill yourself? Oh, no. Is it too hard, Endale? Well, I can't have sex with dead bodies anymore. Why? What's the point of living? living? (laughs) Good Lord. Wow. Yep. Yep. That was awful. I know. Yeah, it's it's, it's really... Happy happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. (laughs) It's infuriating, and yeah, it's fucking... Yeah, it's just that this guy is... You know, I've seen him maybe talked about a couple times on some true crime things, but... um, Yeah, it's 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 up there on on Halloween horror, like true horrors. I've yeah. never heard of him. I was gonna ask how you found him, but yeah, um, you know, I was just Halloween looking up crime. looking up stories, you know, like of basically true crime stories that happened on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to find one that I thought 
was interesting to me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope well, you all enjoyed that little treat. Yeah, that was yeah. um that was awful and terrible. And mm-hmm. I'm glad he's dead. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too, Heather. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> and you know what? He ain't getting into heaven now. He ain't no, never, he never not. was gonna get into it if it was Mm-mm. even real. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I really don't want to see Jesus all disappointed in me. Oh. <laughs> God, what a fucker! Yeah, Damn. yes, something clearly very wrong with him. Yeah, and yeah, he should have he... been locked away for life. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like you know, especially the early ones are seem like a product of time and place. You know, kind of this yeah. rural Michigan in the you know, early, early 80s, basically Mm -hmm. the tail end of the 70s, you know. Um, This this happened a lot. (laughs) Yeah, and things have gotten better. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, the the comparison of the 50 years, I mean, it was more of a a performative and definite, like, executed murder, but yeah, Mm -hmm. just the amount of time you'll get now for anything like a violent crime. I'm sure. Yeah. I wonder what his sentencing would have been now if he had stabbed that the first victim. Oh, well, I mean, like what you brought up on the top of the episode, too, like if he had been black, you mm. know, even with that first attempted murder, he would have, you know, been put away forever. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, like like probably most likely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that, there might be a little bit of that at play as well. Um, kind of hard to say, but. Well, he looks stupid and I hate him. America, S- fuck yeah. Stupid white. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> All right, fuckers, open up your bags again. Got another treat. Yep. <laughs> this one. Uh, <laughs> this one's a different type of asshole. Yeah, I don't know. Decide for yourself whether you think this is worse or not. Because which I, asshole I, do you like better? I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I've 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 heard of this, but I don't really know the story at all. I, I've just kind of heard yeah. it in, in passing, you know. And it's kind of one of those like it's almost urban almost like an urban le- well i guess it just kind of become an urban legend in some ways yeah well for as long as i can remember there's always been this underlying fear concerning trick-or-treating oh uh, did you, your mom used to be like a little oh yeah scared of that yeah i mean yeah, i'm sure I she mean, was not the only mother <laughs> checking our candy um you know for tampered with candy it was like a buzz in the news it has been ever since mm-hmm. i can remember right um so, you know, you don't get popcorn balls or candy apples from people anymore. It's all just packaged candy. Um, Thanks, Biden. Yeah. And, and I mean, you'd hear about <laughs> malevolent adults who would do such things as put a razor blade into your apple or maybe they would lace our chocolates with LSD. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And I was always <laughs> like, oh, my God, that's so stupid, Mom. And, you know, not understanding why someone who would hand out candy for Halloween would do such a thing. Right. And, you know, in present day, this fear still survives and it's more prevalent than ever. I mean, we have trunk or treats and things like that. Just, you know, that really kind of spawn to combat this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I do want to say before we get started, man, that would have been cool to get some LC in your chocolate as a kid. Just put on that Sesame Street music album and just <laughs> let it take you away. <laughs> No one's giving away free drugs. We all know that. Yeah, I know shit, right? Yeah, like you're gonna waste LSD on some <laughs> I fucking know, kids. Right? You're just over there, like hell yeah, Batman. Yeah. 
But, you know, there is a pretty good reason for this paranoia. And, you know, this fear had already existed for American parents before what I'm about to talk about. Um, But this crime really just amped it up into some next level shit to where to what we have today. Right. So I'm going to talk about Ronald Clark O'Brien, also known as the Candyman, a.k.a. The man who killed Halloween. Who can take the sunrise, sprinkle it with dew, and poison? <laughs> the exact opposite of that song. <laughs> so our story takes place in 1974 in Houston, Texas. And I'd like to give a bit of background on him. In the eyes of most people, 30-year-old Ronald Clark O'Brien was an upstanding citizen. They always are, man. He was a family man. He was married to Daneen O'Brien, and they had two children together, Timothy, aged eight, and Elizabeth, aged five at the time. A white picket fence and everything. Yeah, that sort of thing. And he was remembered as a good Christian man, having served as a deacon at his Baptist church, and he was a member of his church choir. He had this most wonderful soprano voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he held a respectable career as an optician, and he spent much of his time doing all the things that defined him as a good husband and father. Damn, so he kind of like had it all, you know, as far as like that American, you know, like yeah. the, yeah, the stereotypical American family life. Well, that's what he presented for right. sure. Yeah. So most who knew him thought of him as a contributing member of society. And by all accounts, Ronald was well liked and respected by the members of his community. But truth be told, Things weren't so great for Ronald, and it is possible that those closest to him weren't even aware of this themselves. Oh, yeah. trouble in paradise. Yeah. Mm. So in a period of 10 years, he had worked at and been fired by over 20 employers. Holy shit. He yeah. couldn't seem to hold I down mean, a I job. Know how, I know how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> I, too, want to kill my family. <laughs> over okay, wait, over how many years? Twenty jobs. Ten, over ten, ten, over 10 years, 20. he was uh, employed and fired by over twenty different employers. Dang. But you know, an optician is like being an optician. That's I would imagine that that's a in demand job. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and a, and a well paying job. Yeah, I mean, I I I don't really know, but I I assume it, he was able to make a living. Like for his family. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, he couldn't seem to hold down a job, and this was due to his less than satisfactory work ethic, and that's putting it lightly. (laughs) And on top of this, he had defaulted on a few bank loans. His car was about to be repossessed. His house was under foreclosure, and he was in debt for approximately $100,000. And that's around $600,000 in today's money. I can imagine his exams were just like, all right, look at the pencil. Look over here. Look over here. All right, we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, there's a lot of accidents in the parking lot. Um, yeah. You know, and we're just, just feel like you're really not pulling your weight around here. Get off my back! <laughs> <laughs> it seemed it was more along the lines of him being disagreeable and, and conducting things fraudulently and just... Oh, just being an asshole? <laughs> underhanded type shit. Yeah. I'm not really sure what that specifically was, but it wasn't... I don't think it was just because he was lazy or anything. It was just he was actively 
He's just a shitty person. Mm-hmm. Hey there, buddy. Hey there, buddy. Hey, hey, don't don't buy glasses from here, man. I got come come to my house. I got I got glasses. <laughs> I got all kinds of glasses. And and in fact, at his last place of employment, Texas State Optical, he was actively under investigation for theft. Uh, he oh. was suspected for theft. Oh shit! What the fuck shit. are you gonna steal glasses? Like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe money. I, yeah, it's, I'm not really sure. Well, I mean, I guess if he was in debt this much, you know, could have been could have been variety of things. I don't know. But yeah, theft is usually like maybe stealing equipment or money. Yeah. Most likely. He was definitely in deep shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he was desperate to claw his way out. So this brings us to Halloween in 1974. It was a rainy night and the neighborhood was gearing up for trick or treating. Yes. Ronald was uncharacteristically enthusiastic for Halloween this year. He had never been in previous years, but he seemed especially excited to take the kids out trick-or-treating this time. Maybe he was just feeling the spirit of Halloween this year? Or maybe he had five pixie sticks shoved up his ass. (laughs) Maybe he did. But it was also weird that his costume for that year was just two children's coffins stacked on each other. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Uh, Wow. Ronald invited family friend and neighbor Jimmy Bates and his two kids to join in trick-or-treating with them that night in Pasadena, Texas. Oh, uh, you brought out you brought in an outsider? Uh. Sure did. So as the group made the rounds, they approached a house that didn't answer their door. The kids and Jimmy, the neighbor, were unfazed and went along to the next house. But Ronald fell behind, and he caught up to the group a few minutes later. He explained to them that he had gotten some pixie sticks from the owners of that last house, and he said that they had been home and had caught up with him and gave him the candy. So, Ronald, Jimmy, and the kids finished up trick-or-treating and headed home. Ronald distributed the pixie sticks to the four kids and gave that fifth one that he received from the house to a neighborhood kid that also happened to attend his church. And those kids just fucking railed those pixie sticks. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Just go for it. Um, (laughs) How many kids were his own children? Two of the kids were his. Two of the kids were his neighbors. And then the fifth child was just a a random random trick-or-treater in the neighborhood that also happened to go to his church. Party time. Let's mix it up. Uh, You, here's a pixie stick. (laughs) Yeah. So soon after, everyone was back at home and settling in for the night. Ronald allowed his children to eat one piece of candy before bed. Timothy chose the pixie stick he received from the mystery house after some coercion from his father to choose that one. As Timothy ate it, he complained that it was bitter and didn't taste right, and shortly after ran to the bathroom. Later, Ronald would tell the police, quote, 30 seconds after I left Tim's room, I heard him cry to me, Daddy, Daddy, my stomach hurts. He was in the bathroom convulsing, vomiting, and gasping, and then he suddenly went limp. Jesus. Quote. So the ambulance was called and Timothy was taken en route to the hospital. But sadly, he never made it there. Mm. He died in the ambulance in under one hour from eating that pixie stick. Holy shit. Just killed his own kid. Wow. Yeah. It was quickly determined that the boy died from ingesting potassium cyanide. Oh, okay. I was I was wondering, like, wow, what was it to make it? Isn't that what people so take quick. when they want to just die all the sudden, like quickly, like potassium? 
I would assume so because it it's fast acting for sure. Well, like 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 you know like like uh, there's always that thing about like you know Nazis had this like yeah it's it's a cyanide pill. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, it's it's like it seems to be a common like like quick death. You know, like a, you you hear about it, like with spies who like Russian spies will that's have right that's cyanide right. pill oh, or something. God. Yeah. Yeah, and the coroner smelled the aroma of almonds coming from Timothy's mm-hmm. body. And his autopsy showed that he had enough poison in his system to kill two or three adults. The dad's like, but he he plays in almonds all the time. <laughs> yeah. Th- almond that joy, mean I don't know. <laughs> he, he's full shit. of almond joy. So the news of Timothy's death hit the media and the community was devastated. Parents were panicking from this awful Halloween tragedy and candy from all around the state was sent to the police department for examination. Thankfully... None of the other four recipients of the pixie sticks ate theirs, and police were able to recover all four of the remaining sticks. Oh wow! That's so yeah. great. It's like those, like that one episode we did, Victorian, um, the hobnobs where they accidentally got the poison in those. Our oh, deadly yeah. blunders episode, like, yeah. How many kids died from that? You know, like yeah. it was quite a few. I'm um, so I, glad I don't remember the exact on. numbers, but yeah, it was. It was a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oof. So upon examination, authorities found that all of the pixie sticks had had their top two inches poured out and replaced with the cyanide powder, and then they were each stapled shut again. So stapled? Stapled shut. Well, I guess back then, pixie sticks could be stapled shut at the top. That that was part of the packaging. So I, I mean, I guess, I yeah. I didn't know that. It's so horrible. He convinced his little one to take it. Yeah. It was probably like, no, I don't think so. I don't want that one. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of want a, like a piece of chocolate. No, I think you want the pixies to go beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, and they said that, okay, that he was acting really weird at his son's funeral, which was on the 2nd yeah. of November. Mm-hmm. And like he sang a song in honor of his son in front of the mourners. And then, you know, later that night when they had televised it on TV, his song he got pissed off at everybody for not like paying attention to him singing. The like, lighting was, was all wrong. Acting like a real fucking psycho. What song did he sing? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Why don't you be? He was in choir, though. I mean, you know how choir people are. Beautiful soprano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't anybody tell me my suit was wrinkly? <laughs> so the police investigation had the two men, O'Brien and Bates recounting the events from that night. And Bates was steadfast in his recounting of everything, but O'Brien had trouble keeping his story straight, especially concerning the location of the house that had given him the poisoned pixie sticks. And this was one of many red flags. He reminds me of the character from Fargo, the dad. London, oh, yeah. Garden. Oh, yeah. dude, that, that, I, actually, that's like perfectly, you could have pictured that. exactly <laughs> who he is. <laughs> So the police found out about O'Brien's financial hardships, and in digging a bit further, they uncovered another interesting piece of information. O'Brien had been hatching a sinister plan. He had recently mm-hmm. taken out taken out $10,000 life insurance policy on each of his children, uh-huh. which is a very unusual thing to do. And then the neighbor's kid, so weird. <laughs> he had then raised the amounts of the policies to 30000 per kids. Ooh per kid, and this was sus- suspiciously close to the time of Timothy's death. Yeah, duh. 
Now, these policies ended up amounting to approximately $400,000 in today's money, an excessive amount for small children. I mean, you normally don't need to take life insurance policies out on little kids. They, I want $250,000 funerals for them both. What's what's wrong with that? Wrong like, with would that? you do that if they were like, yeah, when would you? If they were be... made of gold? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and to investigators, this reeked of a life insurance scheme, and O'Brien's own kids were the mark. Wow, dude, what a piece of shit. Now, a side note, he had also called his insurance company the morning of Halloween to find out how to collect an event of an untimely death of a child. What a fucking idiot. And um, then he called the morning after to collect. He's just like, um, you know, I just want to make sure we're good. Um. I think I might be needing to know here in a little bit. Yeah. No reason. The police were also informed by a local salesman that Ronald had been recently inquiring about the amount of cyanide needed to kill a person. So needless to say, the authorities Jesus were able Christ. to quickly pin down O'Brien as their main suspect. Wow, what Dude, a doofus. Both these guys are fucking stupid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This guy's especially stupid. Yeah, this guy's yeah. really dumb, yeah. So he was arrested within just a week. On November 6, 1974. Good. And he was charged with one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. Clearly, his defense was convincing to no one. And after a month-long trial, the jury took just one hour and five minutes to deliberate and convict O'Brien. And that is really fast. Yeah, for like, sure. You don't get much faster than that. Really? And probably like 30 oh. minutes of that was just lunch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I think we're good here, guys. Uh, do you guys want to get, like, uh, tuna sandwiches? Or yeah. What are, you, what are we thinking? Mm. It makes me a little gassy. O'Brien maintained his innocence until his death and on March 31st, 1984, when he was executed. Oh, I executed him fast, too. What, what year? What year? 1984. Wow. So 10 years. Now, we have a quote of his last words, and if you hate oh. him now, you're really going to hate him. Oh, cool. Oh That's exactly what I wanted. So as he lay on the stretcher waiting for his injection, he had this to say. Quote, mm -hmm. What is about to transpire in a few moments is wrong. However, we as human beings do make mistakes and errors. Boo, boo, boo. This execution is one of those wrongs, yet doesn't mean our whole system of justice is wrong. Therefore, I would forgive all who have taken part in any way in my death. Also, to anyone I have offended in any way during my 39 years, I pray and ask your forgiveness, just as I forgive anyone who offended me in any way. And I pray and ask God's forgiveness for all of us respectively as human beings. You're a piece of shit. To my loved ones, I extend my undying love. To those close to me, know in your hearts I love you, one and all. God bless you all, and may God's best blessings be always yours. P.S. During my time here, I have been treated well by all TDC personnel. He's basically like, you guys might as well be executing Jesus. Yeah, he's like not taking responsibility whatsoever. Didn't apologize to his son, you know, like, didn't, <laughs> no yeah, how responsibility. Can you in, how could you believe in God that much and think that, you know, any of that would mean anything? Oh, uh, it's just die. like the the saving face, and yeah, you know, even to the last, you know, he, he did his his whole life was trying to present one thing, 
to cover up who he really was. Right. So this was just another example of that. And it was so weird because he said all this and he signed off with his name and said P.S. Yeah. It's re- really yeah. weird. <laughs> I know. He's, just, he's sitting there like, <laughs> signed sincerely, Ronald C. O'Brien. Yeah. Does he say, he literally says that? Yeah, Ronald C. O'Brien. Yep, P.S. He really probably thought he was being super clever there. Yeah. And he was sounding real official. Mm. It's a fucking absolute piece of shit. Wow. I didn't know that story. That was great. Fucking sanctimonious yeah. piece of shit. Just like the, like, yeah. I forgive you. Like, humans, you know, they're just, we're all flawed, aren't we? We're all yeah. just flawed. We make uh, mistakes. Okay. Yeah. Fucking yeah. dickhead. It, it's no surprise that he took no responsibility because he never did in life. You know, I, I used to listen to this podcast called Red Collar, and it was all about people who would kill because of financial woes and financial hardships. Oh, that's really interesting. That's that's a cool uh that's a cool niche. Yeah. Yeah. This this fucking shit happens all the time and it's like the same thing over and over. It's ridiculous. Right. right. Why do people just go bankrupt? Because they uh, want to lead a certain type of right like, level of living and And there's like some, you know, some people who like look at that stuff as like as as, as like a stigma or, you know, as as like it's almost like people who don't like take charity, right? Like, like too proud. Um, just don't. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is, I guess about appearance for sure, but it's also like these weird sense of like morals that well, they have about that shit. I don't know. It's, it's super in their weird. mind too. If they kill and get away with it, cause they all think they will, they're going to start <laughs> out with so a clean slate. They're going to get what they smart. want. Get a clean slate, and they're gonna start mm-hmm. fresh over. Everything's gonna be perfect. They all fucking think that. I'm gonna run off into the sunset with my big titted wife with no kids. It's gonna be great. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a crowd of 300 people standing outside the prison when he was being executed, and they all cheered as the witnesses to his execution exited that prison. And his wife Danine had this to say after he died. Quote. He made his bed, and now he's having to lie in it. I have no pity for him. Ooh, could you imagine? I mean, just no. like, especially if it seemed like he had no, like there was no signs or anything. You know, like he yeah. may have even completely fooled her. You know, yeah, to, yeah, to that was unclear too, but I, I've, I have a feeling that was at least partially the case. Ah, dude, just being blindsided by a pixie stick, it's just it's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Even though there were some incidents before this that kind of contributed to the fear of trick-or-treating, like um, I think in one instance in like the 50s, this, a lady was giving out like steel wool and little poison rat traps to older teenagers because she thought they were too old to be trick-or-treating. <laughs> but these things were clearly labeled poison and, you know, no one got hurt. Yeah, no one's going to eat a steel yeah, wool. Yeah, and then there was lady. like an... Another incident like 10 years before this where a child died of a heroin overdose and they found that the child's candy had been sprinkled with heroin. That what had actually really happened is the child got into his uncle's stash. And so after the fact, they sprinkled it on his candy to make it look like. Oh, uh, like somebody else did it. Yeah. yeah. Did the kid die? Yeah. But this Damn. particular incident was probably that last straw that caused 
the rampant hysteria that we have today surrounding uh, trick-or-treating. I mean, I like and it was even amped up more, um, you know, by the satanic panic in the 80s. And then, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Tylenol murders were in the 80s, too. And that was like a month before Halloween. So it's just a perfect storm. Are yeah. Satanists trying to poison your children's candy? More at seven. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not even a joke. That's like, oh, no, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, the lore surrounding this awful real life horror gained more power as rumors and the nefarious ways that candy could be tampered with became more outlandish and scary. And, you know, the monster could be anyone and it could happen to any child. But few people know that their paranoia is rooted in one heartless father's greedy actions, resulting in the calculated murder of his very own child and the attempted murder of four other kids, all in a heinous effort to cover his tracks. Dude. Terrible. Fucking butt <laughs> Terrible. That's, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, interestingly, besides these examples that I've given, there's been no evidence of strangers poisoning or tampering with candy that have ever been substantiated. And every year there seems to be a new panic about what to look for, like 2022's fentanyl-laced rainbow candies. But these are nothing more than rumors. And like most folklore, these scares are more akin to cautionary tales than real-life dangers. And we can all thank the Candyman for this awful tradition of the anxiety surrounding Halloween night. The candy man can. Yeah, he it's like he's like a real like kind of became like a boogeyman, you know. It's like yeah. it's not it's not him specifically, but it's it's that like like you're saying, like the fear of Satanist or something. You know, it's just like yeah. there there is that evil in the ether that's out to get your children. Yeah. And, and he definitely doesn't look as cool as the candy man. No, he just looks like a douche nozzle. <laughs> he is a douche nozzle. He's a fucking he's just such a moron. On top yeah. of being so yeah, evil. Yeah, no kidding, know? dude. Yeah. It's maddening. Mm-hmm. But that was the Candyman. Wow, yeah, I, I didn't did. know the full story. Yeah, me neither. It's good to know. So I don't have to worry about fentanyl candy? Okay. okay. No, I don't think so. Again, uh, <laughs> drug dealers are not keen on giving away drugs. And, I mean, are they fucking giving out candy on Halloween night? Probably no. not. I assume they're out selling drugs or something. Yeah, they're busy, man. Yeah, exactly. Busy staring into a light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just sucks oh. that, you know, it's it's all part of Halloween. Just- yeah. I mean, I mean, and I bet a lot of that comes with like kind of certain Christian sects who, you know, looked at yeah. you look at Halloween as that kind of pagan, you know, evil um, yeah. You know, so, so I mean, they'll usually do anything to damage, you know, the holiday. Of yeah. Yeah, it's all part of this weird stew surrounding Halloween. Right. <laughs> it's about most wonderful time in the year. I don't know what everybody's being. I know. I don't. I don't get it. Really, way to go. <laughs> just put some bats on your wall, okay? Let me just find. just put some bats on it. Yeah, make some just cupcakes. Put a bat on it. Ah, <laughs> uh, we all love that bit. Of well, course. that was that was Halloween. Yay! Halloween horrors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So since we kind of missed last month because I was just so sick for like basically all of September. Um, yeah. We'll be having one more episode this month, and it's gonna be. 
going to be a nice little treat. We're all going to have a good time. We're all going to have a little fun. Yep. You know, y'all gather around the gore and the fire and, and listen to a nice tale. Yep. It's going to be nothing awful. It's going to be, dare I say, a little silly. It will. It's going to be some Halloween silliness. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to do socials this week. Um, okay. Just not, not feeling it. You know, I you don't guys blame know, you. You yeah. guys know where to find us. Stop falling um, apart. You can, find, you can find us on all the podcast stuff. Yep. We're yeah. under the pendulum. Social, under the pendulum. Under the pendulum. Social media. Pendulum. You, you, you know. You know the deal. You know stroking. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you guys have anything else before we take off? No, I'm excited for... I can't believe we're almost halfway through the month. Um, I know. It's, it's cool and sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm ready. It's all right. We're going to end strong. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening, everyone. And we'll be back with another episode. And we will see you next time. Trick or treat. I love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>